We want to continue from where we began from as far as this month and the teachings we have been receiving is concerned. We first looked at fasting the first Sunday of this month and we said fasting, the primary reason for fasting is so that our souls will be humbled. Fasting humbles the soul. And your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Oftentimes, we find our mind thinking differently from that of God. Instead of functioning with the mind of Christ, we have different thoughts. Sometimes we find ourselves struggling with the will of God because man is the only creature of God who has the right to exercise self-will. Man has the ability to choose and to take decisions based on the aspect of the soul called the will of man. And when man chooses something other than the will of God, it's dangerous for the soul of that man. And then man can also have emotions different from God's emotions. The Bible says, be ye angry. Anger is part of our emotions. And then he added, and sin not. But oftentimes, when we are angry, we sin. We act out of order. And we act out something that does not reflect the nature of our father, which is righteousness and holiness. And so, from time to time, everybody must find reason why he must bring his or his soul in subjection to his spirit. Even our Lord Jesus Christ, who was not born with a sin nature, who was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, even Jesus, before he started his public ministry, Bible recounts that he, he gave himself to a 40 days and 40 nights of abstinence from food. Because fasting is abstinence from food. Biblical fasting is abstinence from food. And there is a reason for that because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There comes a time where you give yourself and your attention to the word of God and nothing else. And you will not die. I'm saying you will not die. Though you may go without food for some hours and for some period, even science has proven that no one dies by just going without food. It's just that you feel the, the biting pinches of hunger. But that is why fasting can go with water. You can replenish uh, the lost energy and you can also satisfy the weakness with water. It's okay to take water because water doesn't have calories. When we say fasting is abstinence from food, food is that which has calories. It, it brings energy and it satisfies the flesh so much that sometimes the flesh is empowered to team up with your soul and that is where the danger is. So, instead of focusing on the flesh, primarily when you are fasting, your focus is rather on the soul. Because once you get the attention of your soul to team up with your spirit, the flesh has no other choice than to follow in that direction. So that what scripture says about us in First Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, I pray that your whole spirit 
and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, you will live in that order. It is dangerous when your order is body, soul, and spirit. It means that the flesh has taken the lead. And mind you, the flesh has always sought to take the lead ever since the fall of man. But if you give the flesh the right of way, the lead, what is going to happen is that the flesh will lead you astray. Apostle Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Jesus said, it is a spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So fasting has a place as far as our walk with God is concerned. And thank God the following Sunday 9th, we started our fasting. So today is the 8th day and we are still going on till the 21st day. And I pray that God will give you a covenant to live a fasted life even after this 21 days. So that it will not just be once a week like the Saturday prayer breakfast we've been doing but you will factor fasting into your program and in your work with God it will be a beautiful thing and you'll be amazed how in humility God will use you as a vehicle and yet the glory will go to him alone so the following Sunday which was last Sunday we, we looked at fasting and the word because we discovered that whereas fasting humbles the soul it is the word of God that converts the soul to convert means to turn around. It's like giving it a 180 degrees turn around. If you were going in the direction of the north, you find your, your, your soul turning in the direction of the south or turning towards the south. That is 180 degrees turn around. That is what conversion is all about. It turns you around and gives you a different mindset. If you were thinking, thinking towards darkness, you find yourself thinking towards light. If your thoughts were full of iniquity, you find yourself not thinking righteously and in holiness. And so, the word of God converts the soul after fasting has humbled the soul. And watch this. Today we are talking about fasting and repentance. When your soul is humbled, truly humbled, and it is also converted, that equals repentance. Can I say that again? When your soul is humbled, when your soul is brought in subjection to your spirit, who is also submissive to the Holy Spirit in you, then the word of God converts that soul. What is going to happen is that you have what Bible calls repentance. Repentance is actually a change of mind. A change of mindset. Repentance, I understand, is from two words. Pent, which is five. And then re means to go back. So to repent means to go back to the pent house. In those days, they used to build a house. And then the fifth house used to be the topmost story. The pent house. So if you were living in the penthouse and you got from the penthouse to the ground floor, to repent means to go back to the top. Sin, Bible says, is a reproach unto any people. It says righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach unto any people. Regardless of your class, your race, your social status, whether you are male or female, educated or illiterate, 
rich or poor, male or female, young or old. Righteousness exalts, it promotes a nation. But sin is a reproach. Sin will reduce you to the ground floor. But to repent means that you move from the ground floor back to the penthouse. In other words, there's a turnaround whenever there is repentance. And fasting has a role in helping us to repent very fast. Why? Because we have just said that fasting humbles the soul and the word of God. That is why when you are fasting, you must expose your soul to God's word. We saw that last Sunday. Romans chapter 12, which was a scripture I didn't read during the service, but I, I used in the evening. says that, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What that means is that the word of God helps you to renew your mind. But it is the Holy Spirit who uses the word of God to remove the old and to replace it with the new you. According to scripture, to renew means to remove the old and replace with the new. When you are fasting and feasting on the word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, We all, verse 18, we all with unveiled face, beholding us in a mirror, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the Lord so the spirit of the Lord as you are feasting on God's word during fasting the spirit of the Lord will take what you are reading and remove the old mindset from your mind and replace it with the new the new you that you are seeing in the mirror that's the word of God the word of God mirrors who we are and once that happens after fasting has humbled you and then your mind is renewed and you have a changed mindset it is equal to repentance. That means you have turned around. Like they say in, you know, in the world, you have turned over a new leaf. You have become a brand new man. And this morning, I'll show you some scriptures that buttress all that I've said so far. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. The book of Acts chapter 3 actually records the first miracle after the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Ghost had come upon the church, the 120 disciples that were gathered in the upper room. This was Peter and John who journeyed to the temple at the hour of prayer, which was the ninth hour. Ninth hour means 3 p.m. And they were going to pray. And there was this man at the beautiful gate who begged for arms. And a miracle happened. I don't need to tell you the story. Now, when the people were amazed and wondered what had happened, Apostle Peter preached actually to them. And from verse 18, he told them that, but those things which foretold or which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Then verse 19, he says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets 
since the world began. Amen. Apostle Paul, or rather Apostle Peter, is talking about the people who are listening, repenting. In other words, if we're going to enjoy the times of refreshing, the times of refreshing has to do with the Holy Ghost filling us to the overflow where you live right in his presence for in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore where there is no hindrance there is no barrier there is no barricade there is no limitation between you and God in terms of fellowship and intimacy where you love God and he loves you and where you are working with God at a higher level riding upon the high places of the earth if that is going to happen there's a place for repentance there's a place for change of mind there is nobody who have his old mindset and can really work with God at a certain level which we call times of refreshing where you are always refreshed where you are always enjoying the goodness of the Lord in terms of God's visitation, God's encounters, God showing you things to come, God guiding you continually. It doesn't just happen. It happens when there is a repentance. And so if we are talking about fasting and repentance, mind you, once you are fasting and you are feasting on God's word, know that you are on your way to repentance. And let the word of God bring that conversion. He says, repent and therefore and be converted. What will bring about a conversion? The word. That your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I pray that during these times of refreshing, you will live a life of true repentance from the old you so that you can now begin to live the new life, the brand new life where the old is past, where your mindset is different. I'll show you signs that show that you have truly repented. That will be the last scripture we will look at today. Okay? When somebody has truly repented, what is the sign that he has repented? We will look at some verses. But from Acts chapter 3, let's go to James chapter 4 Apostle James gives a wonderful picture I will read it from the King James Version of the Bible please so that we can get the picture clearly and connect it to a scripture we looked at yesterday during the evening session of our times of refreshing day 7 evening session but I would want to look at James chapter 4 the verses 8 to 10 to begin with. And then later on, we'll look at 11 through 17 today, okay? Now, James 4, 8, in the King James Version, it says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded be afflicted take note of that word be afflicted and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness verse 10 says humble yourselves 
in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Somebody say amen. We look at humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord when I spoke about fasting the first Sunday in August. And we established that to humble yourself you cannot do it except by fasting because we saw in Psalm 35 verse 13 David said I humbled my soul with fasting. So you will discover that from the verse 8 into 10 of James chapter 4 Apostle James was actually giving a picture of what fasting does. Fasting leads us to repentance. When your soul is humbled through fasting and your soul is converted by the word of God you begin to hear words like draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You will find yourself yielding effortlessly to God. Sometimes we resist the will of God. Sometimes we have our own mindset. Sometimes it's difficult to say yes Lord. When you know that God is saying do this. The word of God is so clear and explicit in many of God's instructions. But oftentimes we struggle because there is a struggle in the soul that says, I want to do my own will. I want to go my own way. But when fasting has humbled your soul and you, the word of God has converted your soul, you can draw near to God. Now, the first sign that somebody is repenting is the willingness to yield to God. Where you say, I, I, I give up. I give, I give myself away. I give myself away so that you can use me. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You see, God is constant. We are the variables. Oftentimes we draw and drift far away from God. But when you draw near, you discover that he's so close. Closer than the breath in your nostrils. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Then it says, cleanse your hands. Ye sinners. He is not talking to people who are in the world. These are believers Apostle James was addressing. And he called them sinners. Probably because they had not truly repented. They were still living the old life. Though they were, they were new men and women in Christ. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Then he said, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. I hope you know that we don't hear some of these words in church oftentimes. Who will come and preach to his congregation and say, be afflicted? Who will quote another scripture that says, affliction shall not arise a second time, so I will not be afflicted. <laughs> but this is a pastor. James was the first pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And I think he was a choleric. These are sayings you don't, a pastor will ordinarily not tell the congregation. But the man was a, a born leader. He was a half brother of Jesus Christ. He says, be afflicted. Can you imagine coming to your congregation and say, be afflicted. Someone said, I refuse to be afflicted. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even end there. He said, Be afflicted, and then he said, And mourn. Hey, another person who quote the scripture said that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
He paid for me my mourning into dancing. And you are telling me that I should mourn and weep? Abba. Apostle James. Which ways are these? This is a typical Jew talking here. Born and bred as a Hebrew of Hebrews, like Apostle Paul will put it. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. I'm asking a question. Do we hear these words in church? We don't. Then, he, as if that was not enough, I think clinical psychologists will question Apostle James. He said, let your laughter be turned to mourning. Are you now spelling depression on the people? And your joy to heaviness. Hey, this is too much. But you will discover in in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 3 that indeed just like verse 10 of James 4 says humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up and he was talking about fasting you will discover that Apostle James all that he said these were pictures he was giving to his congregation and to the church he wrote to for them to fast and the kind of fasting that leads to repentance all he was spelling out was a repent and he connected it to fasting. So there's a place for fasting that helps us to truly repent. Okay, let me read Isaiah chapter 58. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 58, the verse 3. Yesterday we looked at this scripture. Isaiah 58, verse 3. Okay, let me read from the King James again. The new King James used a different word. So I think... Um, King James will help us in this regard. Isaiah 58 verse 3. Yeah. He says, Wherefore, the people were asking God, Wherefore have we fasted? Say they, and thou seest not. Don't fast to impress God. Yes, he says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. In other words, God does not look at the outward appearance. You remember, he looks at the heart. So if your heart is not sincere, your fasting may be futile. It may not yield its intended results. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. You do not see it, God. Wherefore have we, aff wherefore have we afflicted our soul? Are you getting the point? This is what Apostle James was referring to when he said be afflicted and mourn and weep wherefore have we afflicted our soul and thou takest no knowledge to afflict the soul is to bring the soul in subjection to your spirit is to humble the soul with fasting so he began by saying wherefore have we fasted say they and thou seest not wherefore have we afflicted our soul it was the fasting they used to afflict their soul and thou takest no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. God answered them and said that you fast for strife and debate and to smite with the feast of wickedness. In other words, your fasting is a fasting with an agenda. An agenda different from God's agenda. God says, I don't like that kind of fasting. Fasting that can still make you proud and obnoxious and stubborn and stiff naked and still want to do your own will it is not fasting recognized by God that is why you must identify the reason for your fast and I think last Sunday I mentioned that if for instance your fasting 
I know people who say that, wow, I don't know why people are not coming to my church. I don't know why there's no evidence of power in my church. So I'm going to fast so that I can also get some power because this man of God or this woman of God said that she or he fasted for about 40 days or 20 days and after that power is flowing. So I'm also going to fast and get power. You will fast and you will never get even, you know, do we call it single power? You will not get anything because the motive behind the fasting is wrong. The power of God is operated by the Holy Ghost who lives on the inside of us. So if you're fasting, it's with a wrong motive in your soul. Still, your soul will be a dam to the flow of the Holy Spirit. Regardless of the fact that you waited in fasting. So there must be a relationship when we are fasting. We must fast with relationship with God in mind. It's for fellowship. It's a way of saying, Lord, I give myself away. I yield my soul under your influence. I don't want to do my will any longer. It is hard. I'm saying it and I admittedly, it is hard for us to yield the human soul to God. It is very hard. It is one of the most difficult things that have befallen man ever since the fall of Adam. The unwillingness to yield our souls. The unwillingness, the stiff-neckedness, the stubbornness, the hard-heartedness, the rebellion in our souls is unimaginable. That is why God says the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So you can imagine Apostle James coming to a church and said, I'll be afflicted. Mourn, weep, let your joy be turned, let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. We don't talk this kind of language in the 21st century church. We don't. But all that he was saying was a picture of repentance. Okay, this picture is clearly portrayed in the book of Jonah. I'll show you. Jonah. Jonah, I believe is before Micah, right? Jonah. Jonah chapter 3, yes. Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. I hope you remember the story of Jonah the prophet. Wow. What a wonderful servant he was. A man who was sent by God. Why Jonah didn't want to go was that he knew that the people of Nineveh were so wicked that they deserved God's judgment and God's punishment. And he knew that if he goes to preach, the people, he was a preacher. Jonah was a, a prophet preacher. He could preach until you are convicted. Maybe a modern version of Jonah will be a man like Charles Finney, who history tells us whenever he goes into a congregation, people will feel naked. You know, you feel that mm, my sins are exposed and you'll be holding on to pillar because the man is seeing you. You just feel like you are sinking into hell by the appearance of Charles Finney. A man who carried holiness as attached to his ministry. I pray God will raise the Charles Finney's of the 21st century generation so that wherever we go, not because you spoke, but by my, or your mere presence, there's conviction. But when the Holy Ghost comes, he shall convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. I pray God will use us as a Charles Finney's of our times in the name of the Lord Jesus. But Jonah was that kind of person. He knew 
by the anointing upon his life that if I go and preach these people, they will be converted. So Jonah decided that mm, 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 though God has sent me, I'm going, I'm going somewhere. He, he boarded a ship heading towards the opposite direction. Thank God for his love. God loves us, I'm telling you. You know the story. God allowed a storm and prepared a whale who swallowed Jonah. To be in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights without death, that's a miracle. And this whale vomited Jonah to the, to the place where he was supposed to go, where he was running from. The whale sent him there. Now he was ready. And indeed, when he preached, the results showed the people repented. And you will see the picture of repentance. The very things that James spoke about or pictured in James chapter 4 verses 8 to 10, you will see it demonstrated physically by the people of Nineveh after Jonah had preached to them. In Jonah chapter 3 verses 4 through 10. Let me read. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's a powerful statement. It is like coming to Accra and saying that yet forty days, and the whole of Accra shall be overthrown. I wonder whether anybody will even listen to you. Yeah, but the people respected Jonah because they knew he was a servant of God. Verse five. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Oh, I pray that when God sends you as a servant, they will believe your God. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast. Take note. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth. That's a sign of mourning. So when James says that mourn, be afflicted and mourn, he was talking to them that put on sackcloth. He was a typical Jew. So he had all these pictures in mind. Put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Verse 6. Then word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne. Ow. That's humility. He arose from his throne and laid aside his robe. That is called repentance. Where you have strip yourself of all the glory of all the honor he laid aside first he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe then the bible says covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes if you don't take care you despise such a king especially in our time but this was what James referred to when he said be afflicted and mourn and weep James had this kind of picture in mind. And the king of Nineveh demonstrated repentance through these things. Verse 7. And he caused it to be proclaimed, the king, after he had laid aside his robe, after, no, first descending from his throne, laid aside his robe, put on sackcloth, and put on ashes, and sat in ashes, he proclaimed he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king, I like that, and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, head nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. In the case of the king, he even denied them of water. This was dry fasting. Dry. 
no food, no water. Not only human beings, but even their animals. Can you imagine the kind of town that that town would have looked like? Animals, you know, what, 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 how do goats do? They, they bleed, eh? Is that a word? I'm hungry. Dogs do, whoa, 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 whoa. When dogs are hungry, it's terrible. First, they would open their mouth. When you don't mind them, then they'll say, whoa, 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 whoa. So I can imagine because the animals didn't have the intelligence of human beings. So why have you denied us our daily supply of food? If it's human beings, at least they understood it. But even animals were denied food. Let neither man nor beast, nor head nor flock. That is the cattle. They also didn't eat. Taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way. Did you see that? Let everyone turn from his evil way. That is repentance. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Repentance is turning from your evil way. That's true repentance. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell? Oh. And it happened. So who can tell if God will turn and relent? That is the new King James. The King James says who can tell if God will turn and repent? You see, your repentance will also make God repent. I know it's difficult for some people to say God repenting, but the King James uses that language. There was a time God told Moses, the sea, I am tired of these people and their rebellion. You just stand aside. I will make a generation out of you. And I will finish all of them at once. Moses looked at God and said, What do you think the heathen are going to say? Especially the Egyptians, where we came from. Wouldn't they say that it was because you could not take them through the wilderness, to the promised land, so you have killed them? Then Moses told God, Repent of this, thy wickedness. <laughs> God, I mean, a man telling God and the Bible says and God did repent that must be a higher level of fellowship before you can talk to God like that here we find the king says who can tell if God will turn and relent the king James said and repent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. He was doing some mental calculation. It's possible that God can turn away because Jonah the prophet has said that in 40 days and Nineveh will be gone. Look at verse 10. Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God relented. The King James says God repented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. You can take your time and read chapter 4. How Jonah got offended because God repented. God changed his mind. Because Jonah really wanted God to finish them. Because they were wicked people. Who had not dealt kindly with the Israelites at all. And Jonah knew that if he goes to preach. Under the anointing. The people will repent. And indeed they repented. Whose mission are you embarking on? Is it your own mission or God's mission? 
If it is your will that God should kill your enemies, mind you, after your enemies are gone, there will be no table also set before you because he sets a table before us in the presence of our enemies. So if you are the type who is always looking for your enemies to die, 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 die. Mind you, the word of God is a double-edged sword. Okay? It cuts here and it cuts there. So if you are the type who, who, you, who can use prayer to kill and you are even proud that I prayed and the next day the man went, wow! The day you also fall into not the same sin, but another sin because the Lord that said that shall not steal is the same Lord that said that shall not covet your neighbor's goods. So the day you also do something that is sin in the sight of God, know that the sword that cuts there will cut you as well. That is why we've got to learn to show mercy because mercy triumphs over judgment. If God or if you have not received God's mercy, you, are, you will not understand what I'm talking about. But some of us know what it means to enjoy God's mercy. So we learn to say, let go. It's okay. Let God rather deal with him than you standing in the place of judgment and say that, die, die, die in the name of Jesus. Die in the name of Jesus. Die. Oh my God. Why should you reduce prayer to the realm of fighting against flesh and blood? When we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, not in the earth. So, repentance. I pray that throughout these times of refreshing, the fasting you are embarking on will give you a change of mind. That you will turn from your evil way. That I will turn from my evil ways. And God, who looks at the heart, will know whether you have, you have truly repented or you are only pretending. Because in our times, if I come and preach to you and say that, lament, the New King James says lament. In other words, afflict your, your soul. Afflict, be afflicted. Weep. Mourn. You will not take it kindly. You may think I'm cursing you. But all James was saying was that, see, repent. And you can do that with fasting. Hallelujah. Let me show you signs of repentance then we can run up today. Signs of repentance. What are the signs that somebody has truly repented? I'll read from James chapter 4. Again, this time we're taking from 11 to the last verse. Apostle James, he was a good man. He was the only person who spoke like that. Not even Apostle Paul. James 4, 11 through 17. After you have humbled yourselves in the sight of the Lord with fasting and you have truly repented, you will discover that when you have repented, verse 11 says, do not speak evil of one another brethren. Oh. When somebody has truly repented, even when you know that this brother did this or that or that, you will walk in love towards him. Because love covers multitude of sins. Not because you endorse his sins, but because you don't want to expose him to unnecessary evil. So he says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, 
you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And mind you, there's only one judge. He is called the righteous judge. All of us, our judgments can be prejudice. Our judgments can be infested with prejudice. Our judgment can be based on what we know, which may be a limited knowledge. But if you commit yourself into the hands of the one who judges righteously, you are safe. So he says that yes, you might have heard A, B, C about a brother, but do not speak evil of one another brethren. That is a sign that somebody has repented. But if you are the rumor monger and you are the type who would call, have you heard? They say, pastor. He says, pastor. Pastor has done A, B, C. Have you heard? Have you heard that? Have you heard? Have you heard? When did you become a judge? When? That shows that your heart is evil. And you have not repented though you are in Christ Jesus. And what I said to you, I'm saying to myself, okay, God wants us to repent. Use these times of refreshing as an opportunity to walk in true repentance. Not before men, but before God. Men may call you Kolo. They say, oh, are you Kolo? You're born as soon as no, 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 this left one is mine. They say, I'm born as soon as you Kolo. If I were the one, I would have given some carrot cake. And show him where pepper lies. Alright. But remember, we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And he is the righteous that will tell whether I did the right thing or you did the right thing. So let's go by the word of God. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges. His brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Verse 12. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Oh, who are you to judge another? Didn't hear that? So who are you to judge another? Verse 13. Come now. Now another sign of repentance. When somebody has truly repented, you will see these things will show in his way of life. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to search and search a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make profit. I know all of us talk like that. All of us that kind of have that kind of communication where we begin to say that, okay, a year by now, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And when you add by the grace of God, they say, oh, everything grace, grace. Stay the thing. But you will discover that those who talk and say by the grace of God, by the will of God, it is not contrary to scripture. Actually, it's a sign of a repented soul, a repented heart. So he says, verse 14 says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, in other words, when you say that tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go to search and search a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You don't even know. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. 
Hey, I want you to get that picture. Your life is like, do you know vapor? Vapor. When you're cooking and the vapor, after the water has reached 100 degrees Celsius and, you know, the water now turns from liquid to gas. That water that comes out is what they call vapor. And I hope you know that it doesn't last for long. There's a little while and then the vapor is gone. After a while, you see that you have come back to the water, which is hot. And vapor is hotter than hot water because it's beyond 100 degrees Celsius. So if you are the type who, who, who likes cooking and putting your hand around vapor, you will burn yourself. But my point is this. Vapor is... What word can I use to describe it? It's fickle. That's a word. Vapor is what? Fickle. Fickle is like a candlelight. Today is, tomorrow is gone. Vapor is fickle. He said, for what is your life? It is even a vapor. He didn't even say it is like a vapor. It is even a vapor. Your life is a vapor. That appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And I hope you know history tells us that there are people who are great Some were wicked. Very, very wicked. Wicked kings. Some were diehard kings. Some were good people. But today, they are all gone. If Jesus tarries, we will all be gone. For your life is a vapor. That today is, but tomorrow that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So, he says, instead, verse 15, instead, you ought to say, instead of bragging, and say, look, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, in 10 years time, I'm going to be this, I'm going to invest, I'm, instead of talking like that, verse 15 says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. That's where the struggle is. Because we want to do our own will. But we don't factor God's will into our will and merge our will with God's will and submit our will to God's will. It is fasting, humbling the soul that can make you submit your will to the will of the Father. Many times we don't want to hear, oh, it's the will of God. We don't want to hear that one. No, 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 no. This is what I want to do. He says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will leave and do this or that. So those who talk like that, please, they are not, they are not trying to portray some self-humility. It is actually the will of God that we talk that way. And it's a sign that somebody has truly repented. So today, from today, we will see those who have truly repented and those who brag. Like somebody said, they are braggadocious. They talk big. Sometimes it even looks like schizophrenia. You meet the person and says that no, my father is the is the, the president of the blah 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 blah. I have this. You just know that this person is suffering from some schizophrenia. Some mental disorder is worrying him. Hallelujah. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall leave and do this or that. Verse 16, but now you boast in your arrogance. 
all such boasting is evil. Did you see that? No wonder James was very hard and said, be afflicted and mourn. He was addressing the people who felt that they had arrived. Never feel that you've arrived. We are pilgrims. We're going somewhere. We are going somewhere to happen. One of these days, Jesus shall appear in the air at the first trumpet sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And at the second trumpet sound, we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall be changed in a moment within the twinkling of an eye. And then together with those who rose first, we shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Bible says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. That should be the hope of the believer. No matter what you get in this life, I like how Peter puts it. Peter says, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all godliness and holy conversation or holy behavior? In other words, don't allow the things of this life to get attached to you such that you feel that you are okay because you have A, B, C. They are nothing. Seeing. Why are we not seeing that all these things shall be dissolved? The things we hold on to, the things we cherish, the empires we have built. All the things that we have built, they are about nothing. And in fact, I, Isaiah prophesied and said that this one, the one that we cherish, it shall not be remembered nor come to mind by reason of the new that shall come. Something better awaits the saints. If we do not factor eternity in our thinking, we will think for this life alone and live for this life alone. But 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19 says, For if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Child of God, let us repent. Jesus is coming back. What I say to you, actually I'm speaking to myself. Let us repent. Let us repent. And our fasting can help us do that. So join us as we journey in the next two weeks of times of refreshing. And by the 28th, which is Friday, I said it yesterday evening that those who can, I'm not imposing it on anybody, but I know there is something about long fast. Why do you think Jesus fasted for 40 days? Why do you think Moses abstained from food for 40 days in the presence of God? Why do you think Elijah went on the, on the, on the food that was given to him by, by the raven for 40 days and 40 nights? There is something about abstinence from food. And so if you cannot even go three days without food, let's do it 24 hours. From that Friday morning of 28th of August, to the Saturday dawn hours of, of August. That's 29th of August. That is actually the true concept of Saturday prayer breakfast. I said it yesterday that since 2nd September 2017 that this ministry started with a Saturday prayer breakfast. It has been just 9 to 11 prayer. 9 to 11. So at most, let's say you start fasting from 6 and then by 11, maybe by noon when you get home, then you break your fast. That's just 6 hours. But let's go 24 hours or almost 24 hours for the first time. If you can, if you can't, no begrudge. Maybe by the time we get to the fourth year, fifth year, if Jesus tarries, you also get there. But those who can, let's attempt to stay without food, but not just staying without food, but feasting on God's word, praying, investing time in prayer. I like the app we are using, Go to Meeting app. It makes us pray from time to time. And I, I charge the prayer department in particular that after everything is said and done, even after we have regarded and we are having church, 
as normal if we will ever return to the normal. Did you hear that? If we will ever return to the normal. Because everything has changed. In the era that we live in, if you come to church, for instance, and I lay hands, I will be arrested because I've broken the law. Maybe you have not thought about that. Maybe you have not thought about that. Whereas he says we should lay hands on the sick, but I can't do it because I must be obedient to the law. So consider that in our gathering, life will not be the way it used to be. Let's factor that into our program. We will surely gather by the grace of God because I can see the last quarter of this year and I see God bringing us together in a wonderful way. But life, what I saw this morning has changed. I'm saying as though it has already happened. It has changed. I'm speaking prophetically now. It has changed. It didn't used to be like it used to be. I meet you, I can't shake hands. I meet you, my mouth and my nose are masked. Are you there? I meet you and life is not like it used to be. So bear in mind, it's not going to be the same. Yet, in the midst of that, God is opening our understanding to begin to see the big picture that all this world is not about just congregating in our local setting but God wants us to begin to function for the big picture so that we can use the technologies available to function in the big picture than to insist that we are we are I want us together I want us together I want us together who am I talking to beware we will gather I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, we will certainly gather. Don't worry. We are only using this platform to minister to those who are listening. But we will gather. But mark it anywhere, forever till Jesus comes. Life will never be the same. As it. it is like half time. And now life has changed. Can't you see it? Life has changed. It's not going to be the same again. It is certainly not going to be the same again. Never. So the tools that are available, those who have never come on the go to meeting app and are giving excuses, one excuse or the other, please, I admonish you and I beseech you by the message of God that if it is possible, repent. If it is possible. If there are no reasons why you have not come on board, repent. Because if you are seeking for us to gather, that is also a gathering anyway. It's a gathering. In the comfort of your home where we can all join together hear our voices how many people use that platform we were using facebook we we're using just like i'm using facebook now so you can talk to me but in this platform everybody can hear everybody's voice children everybody even when you are flashing your toilet we can hear it because the microphone is very sensitive it's a fellowship let's make use of the tools available than to insist that this is what I want. And sometimes God looks at these things and says, ah, can't they catch the big picture? Can't they see what I want to do? Can't they see? So those who are still waiting that we will gather and have never come on the go to meeting up, I'm not talking as a pastor now. I'm talking as an apostle sent in your direction to let you know that you've got to repent. You've got to repent. You've got to repent unless you say that well I don't need you again then I'll say praise the Lord praise the Lord 
because then I will no longer be accountable for your soul. But so long as I am accountable for your soul, I have every right in the Lord to admonish you that you've got to repent. Change your mind. Change your style. Because you may not know what you may be doing to some of us. You may not know. You may not know. You don't know the burden of a leader. And you don't know the, the, the burden of oversight responsibility. You don't know. You have no idea. But I don't begrudge you because we were all not born leaders. We were all born followers. So everybody who is going through what some of us go through now have been there, have made other leaders also suffer the same things. So I don't begrudge you. But I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ. If you are waiting for us to gather before you now know you have church, then repent. Because Jesus Christ is coming back and he's giving us tools for us to use. If you say you don't want it, then I don't know which kind of leader you are looking up to. I think I'm getting emotional. So I got to stop. Because sometimes, like Paul said, if any man draws back, my soul shall not have no pleasure in him. Have you read that scripture before? If any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Then he said, and we are not of them that draw back, but we are of them that believe to the saving of our souls. You have no idea what you are doing to some of us. You have no idea. I charge you, repent. You have no idea. But when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I'll tell God that I did my part. And yes, I did my part. There's no reason. The app that we use, it doesn't take, it takes less data than even the calls that you do. Or the money you would have used for transportation and come to church, it takes less data than that. So what is your excuse? Your excuse is that we must gather. As for that, you don't want to hear anything. Then I don't think you really belong. No, you don't. I'm saying it. Then you don't belong. I rest my case. May the spirit of the Lord bring all of us, including myself, to the place of repentance. That in these times of refreshing, we will have a changed mindset. We will think like God so we can talk like God. For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Oftentimes, when you hear people talk, you get to know the kind of heart that they have. That they don't have a sincere heart. They don't even know what church is. They think church is a social gathering. It's not a social gathering. There is a social aspect to church, but it's not a social gathering. This thing is spiritual. And spiritual things are spiritually discerned. That is why God gives a leader. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. What I say to you, I'm saying to myself, because I've also been a follower before, so I know what I'm talking about. But let's repent. Can you lift a voice? Begin to pray. If there is any area where you believe that you did not do the will of God, you did not yield to the will of God, and you disobeyed. You could even hear God telling you, stop it. And you still disobeyed. Can you tell God, not me, tell God, I am sorry. Forgive me. In this fast, during these times of refreshing, I repent. I turn my back on sin. 
And I turn towards God in righteousness, in holiness, and in purity. 